the Iranians shot down one of our aircraft, unmanned aircraft. Uh-oh. I prefer to call it an aircraft to a drone because I think people in their mind think, eh, it's one of those little things. Like my kids got one of those. That's no big deal. Right, exactly, they, with their they, plastic blades. They and, shot uh, down one of our uh, military aircraft. Right, right. In uh, international airspace, according to us, and I believe us before I believe the friggin' mullahs, with all due respect, which is none to you conspiracy theory wackadoos who write your emails. Anyway. More on that later. That's a, that's a pretty big story. And as Joe said, who knows where we'll be on that 48 hours from now. So he's Craig the healthcare guru. Craig Gottwals, who is a benefits and healthcare expert as well as an attorney. And uh, we first became acquainted with Craig, professionally speaking, talking about Obamacare back in the day and the realities of it. And Craig makes his living being non-political and realistic so his clients know what they can expect from the world of healthcare. If you don't know Craig's act. Craig, how are you, sir? I'm well. How are you, gentlemen? Speaking of healthcare, thanks for the donuts. He brings in donuts. What are you trying to do to us? You're trying try to rule please your most base desires, Joe. <laughs> so there, there is absolutely no benefit for you having some sort of pie-in-the-sky vision of things when you're talking to a client or the other way around. Uh, making it more dire than it actually is, because they need to know what it's actually going to cost. That's right. I, uh, I I retain my position based upon being accurate. There you go. Yeah. That's that's worth knowing. So listen, on the campaign trail these days, uh, particularly on the Democrat side, well, exclusively on the Democrat side, uh, the term Medicare for all has gained, gained great popularity. Uh, a number of the candidates are pitching it. Uh, a number of folks around America, polls would say, think it's a terrific idea. Although a recent poll just came out, which we can talk about, in which it becomes clear that what people think it is is not nearly what well, it yeah, is. Well, yeah, that's the problem. To what right. extent they what they mean by Medicare for All. Right. And we, we've, on this show, over the years, we've actually talked about a few aspects of Medicare for All um, that, you know, where it, it, it's shown that it's, it's maybe not as good as people like it to be, where we have that cost shift going on. I mean, kind of a base understanding for this conversation is because Medicare and Medicaid underpay the providers so significantly, so for every dollar of health care need, Medicare typically pays 80 cents on that dollar, mm-hmm. which forces private employers to pay something in the neighborhood of $1.30 for those services. So when people look at the surface and they say, gee, you know, Medicare costs us about the same per head roughly as private health insurance, they're, they're of course, completely missing this hidden tax behind the scenes where – 50 cents on every dollar is is inflated over to the private employer side to cover the fact that Medicare underpays. And that's why a lot of providers won't even take Medicare patients? That's correct. We're, we're, well, uh, roughly 50% of providers are not taking new Medicaid patients, okay. and it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20% that are not taking new Medicare patients, and that's because the government does pay a little bit more on the Medicare side than they do for the Medicaid side, but Which those numbers are growing. Folks. Medicare for older folks. Yes, exactly. Okay. And those, but those numbers are growing. I mean, you're seeing more and more providers saying, I'm out, <clears throat> even, even though it's politically really bad for me not to take government health care, I'm out because I just can't afford it anymore. What's right. the difference between Medicare for everybody and a single-payer system? That is and just universal health care, government health care. That is basically the same exact thing. Um, so but, it's just a better way to phrase it in front of a crowd? Well, it's... Because they've heard over the years... Yeah, it's a generalization. Government health care is bad. I mean, if you want to get in the technicality of it, Medicare is a single payer for health care. However, virtually everybody that has Medicare also buys a little policy on the side that helps to cover some of the gaps in Medicare. So technically, Medicare is not a pure single-payer system, although it's darn close. Mm -hmm. Because single-payer would literally just mean one payer of claims across the country. 
which is what you get in, for example, the UK with their with their health program. Uh, very quickly, and anybody who's rich over there gets private health. It does the private thing because it's so much better. Or flies to the states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just a quick point of interest: a poll from the Kaiser Family Foundation found almost seventy percent of people think they would still pay deductibles and co-pays under such a plan, which is not the case. And more than half believe employers would continue to provide coverage, which is not in Bernie's plan. No, that's correct. Instance. Yeah, and that would not be the case. That's right. Um, so just a couple a couple foundational facts about about Medicare that kind of help set the table for for just how uh, misleading the conversation about Medicare for all is. In 1965, when Medicare was passed, government experts projected that by 1990 it would cost $12 billion. In reality, it cost $107 billion in 1990. So they were close. They missed by a factor of 11. So, wow, yeah, Yeah. about 10 times as expensive, yeah. And um, another fun fact, that's Medicare. Medicaid, when it was originally passed at the same time, was designed to cover the the most unfortunate. It's it's the safety net for the lowest 2% of earners in the country. It now covers 20% of earners nationwide. And in the western coast of the United States, in the three states, Oregon, Washington, California, one in every three babies born is born under Medicaid. That safety net. Wow. So it's supposed to cover 2% and it covers a third on the West Coast. Yes, right. Wow. That's, That's right. Something. Now, one other fun fact about Medicare Boy, and Medicaid. It reminds me so much of uh, the discussions we've had about the high cost of good intentions uh, program creep. It is inevitable. If you like the big programs, just get one started. Just get one started. You'll right. you'll get where you want to be over time. This program is just for Joe Jones right. of Poughkeepsie, New York, who's very poor and very sick. Everybody thinks, poor, poor Joe Jones. And then, you know, 10 years later, it's covering 50 million people. Oh, yeah, because to, to, for people who don't understand, then a month later, you say... How about Joe Smith? He's very sick, too. What about his, ki- what about his kids or his right. wife or whatever? How about that guy who's yeah. almost as sick? Well, you're seeing it in California right now, right? Remember, uh, if, if we started off with covering illegal aliens that are just children. Now we're starting this year, we're going to start covering illegal aliens that are between the age of 18 and 26. Eventually it'll go beyond 26. Actually the next step will be we're going to cover folks. seniors yeah. and then it'll be so you're seeing you're seeing a, a, that play out in, in California right now as we as we speak. Um, one other fun fact about Medicare. What people don't understand, there's, and there, there's some good media on this in places like 2020 and 60 Minutes that do these exposés on Medicare fraud, waste, and abuse, but it's not understood well enough. This is a fact that people need to keep in their mind. For every time somebody calls into the Medicare Medicaid hotline and says, hey, I see fraud going on right in the parking lot down the street. There's a the shop that's set up. It's, it's illegal. It's fraudulent. It takes Medicare Medicaid an average of more than four months to even begin that investigation. Awesome. Wow. Oh. And, and, and is, how is that even possible? Well. They just don't care that much or. You've, you've got, yeah, you've got. A, it's somebody a, else's money. It's somebody else's money, Jack. And it's, <laughs> and um, it, it, it leads us into our next point. Imagine in the private if sector if you called somebody up and said somebody's stealing from you. How oh, long oh, would it take right them to look into loading it? Dock. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, click. Yeah, it, it's, it's rectified immediately in most yeah, cases, yeah. as we know. So how big a problem is uh, waste, fraud, abuse, et cetera? So waste, fraud, and abuse in Medicare, according to most experts, on the low end is 30% of all spend. On the high end, it's half. On the low end, it's a third? A third. Oh, my God. Waste, fraud, and abuse wow. in Medicare. I was expecting something like 10% and then being horrified by that. A I, third. So how much is that? 
So right now, dollars. Med- Medicare is just under a trillion dollars per year just in Medicare. So you're talking three hundred thousand to four hundred thousand dollars, or excuse me, four hundred billion dollars. Billion with a B. Billion with a B. Four hundred billion dollars just in Medicare alone. When we look at healthcare spend in the United States, three point seven trillion per year in the United States on healthcare. That fraud number, because of the the huge government portion of it, is estimated to be around twenty to thirty percent. And so, a lot of it would be driven by what we were just talking about, because it's somebody else's money. Just nobody looks into it. Nobody pays that much attention. Yeah, and and the fraud is stunning. If you've ever watched any of these exposés, I mean, it's as simple as... At some point, the smart person has to get in on this. How do I get in on the fraud? What do I do? What do I claim? A lot of them do, and then then they they pay off their politicians uh, handsomely, and they get slapped on the wrist quite often. They'll either... A lot of... It'll it'll either be a, 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 a... a nefarious doctor, but more common, it's somebody who's stolen a doctor's identification. They go down to a strip mall. They then pay a cartel or a mafia for a bunch of senior citizens' Medicare information, and they just start running claims. They start ordering durable medical equipment. They start wow. they start ordering claims and pay, getting payments. Within weeks, they get payments for things that never happened, and they know that if they close that shop up and move within four to six months, they'll never get caught. So they wow. just keep moving around. Wow. You know, Craig is a story. I think we need to end the segment, and you and I need to talk about a new little business venture. Exactly. <laughs> well, there are a lot of empty strip malls around. Oh, and I'm good with old folks. Hey, can I just uh, <laughs> ask you your name and your date of birth? Yeah, well, uh, this is why. That's interesting. Florida's <laughs> the headquarter of these things, as you guys have, have heard before. Yeah. All right, well, we ought to grab a break, actually, yeah. honestly. That's and, uh, stunning. Come back and, and do a little more on this topic. Yeah. Uh, holy cow. And listen, one of these days, because our lefty, our most, our leftist listeners often say, all right, dudes, we get there's flaws. What's your plan? I mean, as if I'm supposed to design the plan. But, um, <laughs> but one of these days, perhaps not today, we ought to pick your brain for how you would run it if you were the health care czar for the president. That's a good tease for a future show. Yes. All right. Yeah. Fabulous. So uh, what the candidates are saying and what the reality would be, more of that on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was just thinking, you want a, a, a decent conversation about health care? This one we got going right here with uh, with Craig Gottwald, and we've done a long term, uh, a long form podcast with Craig that got into it fairly decent. And even then, because it's so complex, I'm sure you'd need a 40 hour week of these things to get into it. Oh, yeah. Yet, next Wednesday and Thursday, at some point in the debate, it's going to come up, and they're each going to have. 20 seconds to explain their health care plan. And it's mostly going to be slogans you <laughs> right. know, without meaning right. anyway. Oh, my God. So, uh, Craig, a lot of supporters of um, of Medicare for All uh, talk about how uh, how it's so efficient. Yeah. That uh, yeah. 98% on cl- spent on claims and only 2% presumably on overhead. administration. Yeah. Overhead. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, and that's some efficient government. That is an accurate statistic, and it does. It looks phenomenally efficient, to the, even to those in the industry when you first glance at that claim without putting any thought into it. So in, in the medical world, we talk a lot about medical loss ratio, and that's nothing more than a fancy way of saying what percentage of the money we give you is spent on claims versus overhead. So in the private market... Uh, we spend, it's roughly 85 to 87 cents on every dollar on claims, meaning the other 15% goes to profit, 
salaries, rent, etc., overhead. Well, in Medicare, and this has been 20-plus years, you've heard proponents of Medicare for All and Medicare say, in private industry, you're only operating at an 85% efficiency level, while in Medicare, you're operating at 98% efficiency. We're going to save money when we go Medicare for All, right? And if you don't live in this industry and breathe it, that it, those are true facts. The problem is, remember where we started this visit this morning. We are wasting 30 to 50 cents of every dollar we give Medicare on fraudulent claims. So, yeah, if I just pay out a trillion dollars in fraudulent claims every year, it right. looks super efficient. I'm only spending 2% investigating those claims. Right. It's awesome. Of course you can have a high efficiency standard. You're not spending any money guarding the public's dollars. That reminds me of the claims. There, there's been no proof of widespread voter fraud. You don't investigate it. You've, yeah. you've claimed you're saving money by eliminating the police, and now everybody's so racked with crime that they can't live their lives. Thank, well, that is so interesting. It, it's, it, and then we, we talked about durable medical equipment. Is, it's, it's the, those are the physical devices we give to people that have needs, you know, braces, and et cetera, for disabilities, breathing machines, whatnot. Those, that tends to be the largest area of fraud. Experts have estimated that in the DME world, which is really popular among seniors, obviously, 60%. Of every dollar we give them is fraudulent. Oh, sixty percent. So that's, why are you and me not buying and selling <laughs> artificial limbs? Hey, trust me. There's a lot of people in on this scheme. Some of them blatantly. Some of them are more. Uh, for example, the largest to history to, to date, the largest defrauder of Medicare ever was an ophthalmologist on the East Coast. Was that Menendez? It buddy? was Menendez's buddy. That's yeah. right. He was ordering something to the magnitude of. Um, 150% more of a particularly expensive eye test than the second most popular person who was ordering it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he, he gave Menendez a lot of money, and he got a slap on the wrist, and Menendez didn't go to jail at all, as you remember, a few years back. Beautiful. Boy, and, that's, and I assume it's not even counted as fraud, the fact that if you need an, an, a knee brace that you, you could buy it at CVS for $15, it's you oh, know, yeah, that's $300. Not- through the system you're doing. That's correct. That doesn't mean count as fraud, uh-huh. even though there's something crazy going on there. Nope. So as people are throwing up their hands in despair and, and weeping bitter tears, uh, if you were to design a system, yeah, what would it look like? I always start that answer because I get that all the time. I always start that answer with saying, you, you prefaced it perfectly. If I could design it and we could snap our fingers and this is, would be what would happen, because politically I think it's it's too tough to accomplish in the modern world. But we have to back out of this of this place we've created since World War II where third parties pay for all of our medical claims. We, again, and we've, we've mentioned it here before, but we don't buy insurance for oil changes on our car. We don't buy insurance when we need a leaky faucet fixed on our home. We buy insurance for the large catastrophic things that occur. The problem we've got with healthcare in America is, for the most part, we have somebody else, an insurance company, paying all of our claims all the way down to $20 copays. So you don't really give a rip how much you're spending right. on this stuff. You just go and you run it up. So and I love that analogy. So oil changes would be $500, but I wouldn't care. I wouldn't even know. I just paid my $20 copay. 
a $500 oil change happened. Right. Your car insurance covers everything to do with yeah. your car. Yeah, I just, Windshield wipers. I just met with my financial advisor last week. He gave me an example. He had like $7,000 of damage done to his fancy car in an auto accident, and his deductible was 1000 bucks. So when he went to the place to get the estimate, they said, well, it's going to be this, this, and we'll give you a written estimate. He goes, why do I care? I'm just paying 1000 They go, well, we have to legally submit paperwork. And he goes, yeah, whatever. I, and here's right. what I right. He doesn't care. All he cares is the 1000 right? Sure. So how do you get there in our world? Well, one thing you have to do is you, you, you really should set up a system where you're giving people a – if you wanted to have an employer-based system, you give people a pot of money. Um, we call it a health savings account or a health reimbursement account. There's different vehicles. But you'd give an employee a chunk of money, maybe $3,000, and say this is your money that you can only spend on health expenses, and whatever you don't spend rolls over, and you can accumulate it year over year and then use it in retirement. Mm-hmm. And then you put in something like a $5,000 deductible plan. So now you've got an individual who the first $5,000 of all their expenses, they're responsible for, and they've, they've got 3000 of it in the bank. Right. Less the average expenditure of health care is eight hundred and seventy dollars per year per person. So this 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 takes care of the vast majority of people. I like that point. And then you have insurance over the top to take care of the catastrophic stuff. What they used to to call major medical. All right. Well, we're out of time. But listen, if your medium to large company needs help uh, from a a great uh, benefits person, Craig Gottwald is available. What's your website? Benefit-revolution.com. Or just get in touch with us. We'll put you in touch with Craig. Craig, thanks, man. It's always so interesting. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, we all spend so much money on this. Oh, God. You'd think all of us, and I'm talking to you folks and us, and you'd think we'd be more expert in this. It's super complicated. Oh, what's, yeah. what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? The commander-in-chief has just weighed in on Iran. Oh, look, I want to hear that. We got the House debate on reparations and a major Armstrong and Getty Democratic political Deadpool update this could be the defining moment. <laughs> oh, yes! Yes! Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. Old people aren't turning on their mics. Young people aren't wearing deodorant <laughs> among the problems we have in America. Also, and this is very exciting. I'm ready to announce the $50,000 Joe Getty Challenge. It's one of those radio contests where you can win $50,000 from me. Well, I'll write you the check personally, yes? Are employees eligible? <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay. yeah. How about in their families? <laughs> yeah, employees and their families and competitors and criminals, everybody's welcome. Okay. And young people aren't wearing deodorant. That is uh, stinky news. All on the way. Is Justin Bieber to blame? Perhaps. What? News now with Marsha Phillips. Now, President Trump has just weighed in on the mounting tensions in the Middle East with a very succinct tweet. And I quote, Iran made a very big mistake, exclamation point. Tensions between the it U.S. It would have been more chilling with a period. Well, Don't you agree? If, if, if George Bush or Barack Obama had, had released a statement saying... Iran just made a big mistake, period. I think the world would shudder. Right. But in the modern world, with bombast being thrown around all the time, I'm not sure that means anything. No, no, honestly, probably not. So what? So what do we do now? I guess we'll wait and see. We'll be talking to the fabulous Mike Lyons in about a half hour's time on that topic, by the way. 
Tensions between the U.S. and Iran running high after Iran shot down an unarmed U.S. Navy drone. Now, the Americans say the drone was in international airspace, but Iran claims no, the drone was in Iranian airspace on a spy mission. Former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice telling the Today Show, this is a dangerous moment for the U.S. Because the Iranians are reckless, and the Iranians are the troublemakers in the Middle East. They're the most troublemaking, dangerous power in the Middle East. And this is the second time in a week Iran has targeted a U.S. drone. So we have what Lindsey Graham said about this yesterday, which is pretty bombastic also getting more dangerous by the day. So here's what to watch for. If the Iranians uh, follow through on their threat to start enriching again at higher levels to basically um, take their enrichment program to a uh, kind of a nuclear level in terms of a weapons grade production, Israel's in a world of hurt. So the best thing the president can do is stop that. And how do you stop that to make Iran understand you're not going to let that happen? Uh, I think he should put their oil refineries on a target list, that he should look at sinking the Iranian Navy if they attack shipping again. But what I worry the most about is the conflict between Israel and Iran, and we're going to come to Israel's aid if that happens. We're sinking the Iranian Navy. That sounds like a major move. Um, so there are senators talking like that around this. And, and Lindsey Graham said that yesterday before they shot down one of our military aircraft. Right. Oof. Unmanned, by the way, if you're just getting up to speed on the right. story. The House Judiciary Committee debating a bill that would study how the U.S. would implement reparations for victims of slavery. Now, it will never, ever happen. They're pandering to people who either haven't thought about this or are not smart enough to understand the impossibility of it. This is such a phony discussion. I'm Please, starting to wonder if it's not going to happen on some level. Mm-hmm. The way I, I remember when I thought... Driver's licenses for illegal immigrants is the silliest idea I've ever heard of. I can't believe anybody it's even being talked about. Well, at least they're on the earth currently, not slaves. You know? I'm just saying I'm amazed at how things can go from unthinkable to, oh, to being discussed seriously. The most seriously it's ever been discussed yesterday in the U.S. Congress to happening. It's pandering. The purest pandering. Uh, I would say to my black friends, they are playing you for fools. Or trying to. I'd assume most of y'all listening are not being played. But they are so playing you for fools, pretending that this is going to happen. Now, Senator Cory Booker. Unless Jack's right. God help us. Senator Cory Booker argued black Americans deserve compensation for slavery, domestic terrorism, segregation, and redlining. The practice used to block black people from getting mortgages. It's about time we find the common ground and the common purpose to deal with the ugly past and make sure that generations ahead do not have to continue to mark disparities but can truly talk about a nation whereas our ancestors spoke from the good book where justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. But not, See, I'm 100% in agreement. Here's how you deal with it. You, you demand justice at every turn. You continue the lifelong as a country quest for greater justice and make sure no one is hurt, nobody's discriminating against. But when you start writing checks to the descendants of those who have been wronged, where the hell is that going to end? Come on now. Do you want the list? You don't, you don't need the list. Well, spokesman There's for, a long list. Spokesman for operations I saw yesterday wasn't into the whole checks for people. Right. It was about transferring ownership of businesses and, uh, and land. Oh, yeah. From whites to black. Yeah. Forced confiscation of land and businesses. Good idea. Meanwhile, columnist Coleman Hughes testifying, saying the time for reparations has passed. 
black people don't need another apology. We need safer neighborhoods and better schools. We need a less punitive criminal justice system. We need affordable health care. And none of these things can be achieved through reparations for slavery. And he got booed for those comments. Hughes noted the reparations would wrongly give uh, people who have come from wealthy backgrounds extra resources and withhold them from other black Americans with the wrong ancestry, as he put it, who might be poor. Yeah, listen, uh, the, the technique of making a moral case to convince America or Congress or whomever that you should get other people's money is made over and over again these days. It's just, it happens over and over again. The problem is we, the people, have become way too quick to overlook the... Wait, what are we talking about here? We're talking about taking money from people and giving it to you. Why? Wait, wait, wait. yeah, let's let's just stop right there. And that's, that is not the role of government. But, you know, I'm a lonely voice. Shouting in the wilderness. And my friends. Disturbing the squirrels. My friends, we have a very important update. Where's my not, not as important as the Joe Getty $50,000 challenge, but go ahead. Uh, I got to tell you, this could be, or very well be, the defining moment in the Armstrong and Getty 2020 Democratic campaign death pool. <laughs> yes! That is because. Representative Eric Swalwell Swalwell, Swalwell says he'll keep running for president oh. as long as he's quote still in it. But if he gets cut from the Democratic debate stage, he would shift gears immediately and run for re-election in his congressional district. Well, that Swalwell, he's your pick, Marshall. Yes. So well, is that a preemptive? I'm probably done. Is that no, what so, so two of yours already got out, right? Yes. So and you've only got one left, and you're saying Swalwell. Wait, Wait, Swalwell's talking about getting out. Yes. Mike Gravel is out and Wayne some didn't, didn't make that up, folks. Um, he's out. Yeah. So Marshall might have his third person getting Before out. Before anybody else has anybody out. You are a good gambler. Yes. Holy cow. No wonder you win all the time. Predictive investments indeed. Yes. <laughs> this predictive investment includes the fact Swalwell barely made it into the first debate, and it's going to get tougher and tougher yeah, to make it, it into the others. Sure. So if he doesn't qualify for a debate, he says he'll get out. Yeah. And he's not going to go up after this next the debate. The guy who watches porn with his mom is still in. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, do you guys mind? I need a moment. Swalwell, Swalwell. <laughs> he's still in. You get to watch him in the debate next week. <laughs> All right, that is your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> what is Marshall's first pick? Mike Gravel, like 103 years old or something? He's 90-something. He's 90, yeah. yes. And Mike it's, Gravel. It's Gravel, Sean. Yes. Have some respect. Not gravel, Gravel. The man who cares. Old as the motor car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Joe Getty $50,000 challenge. I'll explain it next. Young people aren't wearing deodorant. And we're going to talk to a military expert uh, later in the show. We really like Mike Lyons about what do we do with Iran? Um, can we do anything? What are the options and where might they lead? I'll bet he can nail down with pretty good certainty whether or not we were in their airspace or not, based on his contacts. So yes. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. As Joe has said, where are we in 48 hours with this whole thing with Iran? Who knows? I've, go, I've grown so, so accustomed in my life, and I think a lot of people have, of, okay, somebody shot down our plane or bumped into one of ours, or we accidentally shot down one of those, and tensions get high, and, and then it always blows over. Whether it's us in China or Russia or North Korea or whoever it is, and then it blows over. It but usually blows over. doesn't have to always blow over. No. Doesn't always. These things don't always blow over in world mm. history. No, and often the result is uh, impossible to justify uh, based on what led to it. Is there a reason to think the 21st century will be significantly less deadly than the 20th century? Probably no logical reason, and we're 20, almost 20, we're almost a, uh, a fifth of the way through it. Well, ironically enough, a great powers war is unlikely because the uh, the, the killing potential is so devastatingly large now. We're just too good at it, which would be an ironic outcome of the arms races of the world. I mean, we're not going to go to war with China because no, zillions of people would die. Or if we do, it will be fought technologically in a weird cyber war <laughs> way and right, not necessarily yeah. uh, us versus them, person versus person. Not as deathy, more yeah. no electricity-ish for weeks. Who knows? That's an interesting question. Um yeah, well, maybe we'll bring that up to the fabulous Mike Lyons, uh, military analyst, coming up. Although, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about Mike. I, I think military analyst understates what he is. He's also a historian and an expert on the use of the military, if you know what I mean. So what do you want to call him? I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we think very highly of him, and he's coming up in a little while. If you get the next hour of the show or check out the podcast. Young people aren't wearing deodorant. That's coming up next. Oh, boy. So here's the $50,000 Joe Getty Challenge. Uh, I was watching uh, the television last night. Um, and the boob tube, we call it. Do you? Stop it. Uh, so I'm watching the television last night, and a Nissan Leaf commercial comes on. And this, it's an electric car, don't you know? And this Leaf commercial runs on electricity. Featured an attractive gal wearing one of those flying squirrel suits. Yes. You ever seen one of those? Guys, generally guys, but I'm no sexist, they leap off the top of a mountain and they they spread their arms and legs and they look like a flying squirrel. And they maneuver and they fly down and frequently they die on the rocks. It looks but pretty fun. It looks astonishingly it does, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the rocks part, but yeah, the first part of it, so incredibly exciting. So this, this gal is flying around the streets of San Francisco in a squirrel suit swooping in and out of streets and, and parking lots and the rest of it, illustrating, I believe, the freedom you will feel driving the fabulous Nissan Leaf. And there, at the bottom of the screen, appeared the words, Do not attempt. <laughs> Here is the Joe Getty $50,000 challenge. If you can find a young woman who was going to fly around San Francisco in a squirrel suit, but was convinced not to by those words on the screen, I will write you a check for $50,000. Yeah. If there is a stupider, a more stupid facet to American life than those idiot disclaimers, please feel free to point it out to me. And that stuff makes me sad because that's the kind of person I am. I take everything that could be fun and turn it sad. Yes. Uh, Do what you do best. Those things just always make me sad that... There there are lawyers that felt that was necessary because you could get sued. Right. If somebody 
Jumps out a window to the death. Her parents then sue Nissan, saying, my daughter saw your commercial. Our daughter went to the top of Coit Tower and jumped off in a flight squirrel suit and was killed because Nissan made it seem like it was fun. (laughs) And they'd probably get a jury of 12 to say, oh, that's terrible. That poor folks, Mr. Daughter, here's here's $108 million. (laughs) Or a half a billion dollars. Right, right. Oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So crazy. Yeah, no kidding. Nearly four in ten young adults aren't wearing deodorant. Oh, boy. I have not gone without uh, antiperspirant. Deodorant is... you got to use the antiperspirant. Do they, mean, they mean that, don't they? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. There's both. Yeah. She's deodorant. It's not doing anything for you, dude. I don't know. They it's say it's, something. They say it's <laughs> bacteria that, that causes the odor. It's not the sweat. The grungy, grungy bacteria that grows thanks only, to the sweat. Only known a, what causes the nasty pit stains? Because that's what I'm trying to avoid as well. I've mm. only known a few people that didn't use the antiperspirant, and they were both stinky. Mm. But um, probably a coincidence. Uh, I, I have never, I've not gone without on purpose in I don't know since I was 15. Right. Uh, one day. Since generally speaking, your mom or dad said to you, "You stink." Yeah. Every day, boy. And now you got. Um. Nearly 40% of 18 to 24-year-olds say they haven't applied either of the products, deodorant or antiperspirant, in the last month. According to YouGov uh, data. That's stanky, real... stanky. I almost said millennials. Those are not millennials. That's well, a, Some of them are, yeah. That's a real polling organization that actually tries to figure out what national trends are as opposed to, like, this This was done by Menon. And then they're exactly. Menon.com. Uh, do we have any idea why? Our token millennial will tell us, Sean. Speak this for is new... everyone of multiple generations. <laughs> yeah, everyone that is younger than me, I will speak on your behalf. Um, I This is a new one to me. I, I'm not aware of any sort of trends. Um, is it part of the whole hippie, trustafarian, I'm laid back thing? I feel like that's got to be it as, as, with some part of um, kind of the, the farm to fork uh, catching some some momentum from that, right? It's I, like chemicals. a neo hippie thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't need chemicals. You know, it's natural. We're supposed to smell this. I'm interfering well, with my body's oils or whatever. Right? Well, that's, yeah. You know, that's true. My vital fluids. It is natural, and you're yes. des- you're designed to smell that way. Yes. So yeah. So other people can smell you coming, and I'm designed to hang out over there when you do. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, I'll bet it's something like that. More than 37% of 25- to 34-year-olds said they haven't purchased these products in the last year. You haven't purchased deodorant or or antiperspirant in a year. 25- to 34-year-olds, almost 40%. And half of 18- to 24-year-olds stay the same. Of course, you live at home, so you're using your dad's or your mom's. (laughs) Right. Mommy, I'm out of deodorant, mommy. I'm sorry, did that sound demeaning? Justin Bieber's launching a new line of deodorant. Oh, good. In partnership with Schmidt's Naturals called Here and Now that's cruelty-free and plant-based, according to the announcement. Oh, I like a cruel deodorant myself. <laughs> I want it to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, as cruel as possible. Oh, yeah. Hitler's deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, come on, Michael. Wow. Um, it's cruelty-free. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want it like squoze out of the glands of minks while they're still alive. And then the guys who work at the factory, regular beatings. 
I want a cruel, cruel antiperspirant. Oh, you make the donor in the regular way in a factory with heinous chemicals, and then you just kick a pucky, puppy. Every box, you box it up, kick the puppy. Wow. Box it up, kick the puppy. Wow. Yeah. That's Barbaric. But then you want to eliminate the puppy kicking. That's what you're trying to do. Cruelty free. Uh, do you agree or disagree with the following statement? I like to wash my hair daily. You know, I was going to bring up the greasy, greasy hair. And not like that, the the jelly look, the gel look, but just actually dirty, dandruffy hair. That hasn't really changed uh, among all age groups. It has uh, pretty been, been pretty steady, that percentage of people that wash their hair daily. So that hasn't changed. The young people, they stink, but their hair is clean. Hey, mm. yeah, beautiful hair. I think people are overwashing their hairs. I would what? be a definitely agree in washing my hair daily. I don't really have if much hair. hair. Yeah. But back when I did, Light I Light bulb looking bald headed freak. But back when I had it, I washed my hair daily. <laughs> the number goes down and you get older, fifty five plus fourteen percent. So I don't know if that's balding men or you just you just you know, you're staying in your you're really old, yeah, you stay in your house a lot. Point. <laughs> I mean, you just you, you don't need to as much. Oh, right. babe, you're not going anywhere, right? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. When I was younger, my hair would get so oily so fast the Exxon should have drilled in my oh. head, but uh, it gets <laughs> less so, you know, as you age. Mm. As you know, you're you're moving steadily but slowly toward the grave. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> what was God's plan of making people between the ages of like thirteen and twenty something be so oily? Just in general. What was God's plan? I just think everything's working overtime. Everything's on full all the time. It's byproducts of other systems going on in your body. Sure. You're so alive. Unlike me. (laughs) Um, Slowly declining. If you're lucky enough to get the next hour, we will talk to uh, Mike Lyons, who is a historian and military analyst and all the different stuff about what's happening with Iran. What did the president tweet just a few minutes ago? Big mistake. Iran made a big mistake. Exclamation point. Somebody really needs to speak with them about the exclamation points. Sometimes it's so much more powerful to be understated, sir, with all due respect. What are we likely to do? What are the options? Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty.